ever since I got bit by that spider, I've only had one week where my life has felt normal. That was when you found out. When you botched that spell where you wanted everyone to forget the Peter Parker Spider-Man. We started getting some visitors. From every universe. Hello, Peter. You're not Peter Parker. I'm sorry, what was your name again? Dr. Otto Octavius. <laughs> Wait, no, seriously, what's your actual name? Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to our very first ever episode of Marvelous Musings, a fan podcast all about Marvel and the MCU. I am one of your hosts, Carl LeClaire, and I am joined by my wonderful, amazing spider, oh, I mean, friend, good old Katie Horn. Hello, Katie. Hello, Carl. You know, that's a coincidence because uh, I'm joined by my wonderful and amazing spider friend, Carl. (laughs) What are the odds? What are the odds that they would just put out a new movie about our friendship? Um, Right? (laughs) Across time and space. (laughs) I walk through a portal and go into your kitchen. Hey, Carl. (laughs) And I'm just yeah, and and uh, you know my my grandmother came in and was very excited <laughs> to see you. Um, I was hanging uh, off the ceiling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's 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 been a time. Um, so yeah, y'all, I, I'm Katie. Katie and I have been talking Marvel Jeepers since since really the end of Wandavision because that was that was my that was my entrance into the MCU. Like I've, I've always been kind of whatever about Marvel and then WandaVision just, it was my, it was my kiss. Hello. If you will, it's where I fell in love. <laughs> and, and ever since like I've had, I've just loved like the conversations you and I have had about new projects, old projects. I mean, you have such an incredibly brilliant mind about all things creative. So it's just so fun to like, listen to you tell me things about all these movies. And um, and I love the conversations we have. So I asked you a little while ago, I was like, Hey, would you be interested in doing like a, a monthly Marvel podcast? And I was so happy you said yes. Cause yes, I cause, like, yeah. Cause I love talking to you, Carl. I mean, Carl, I'm just, I'm trying to save you from the student loans. Don't go to art school. Just make friends with people who have been to art school. And so, then they'll like point things out to you. Be like, Oh, this scene is a reverse. And then you'll be like, Oh, <laughs> But you know what, Carl? I just I love that Wandavision was your introduction to this, and I and I have loved like seeing Marvel through your your eyes too. You know the way you talk about seeing it through my eyes. I just think your perspective is also just so interesting, and it's just fun to talk about. It's fun to be like you know me who's been in it from day one, and you who's you know just been coming in this year. It's been great, and I I think it's about dang time that we just sat down and recorded these conversations. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because like, I think 
you know, I mean, there's just so much that comes up in them that I think is just so fruitful in so many ways. So uh, I think that's, you know, why we just decide, let's just do this. Let's let's make it happen. And it's so exciting that we have like this brand new movie to talk about. So obviously we're going to be talking all about Spider-Man No Way Home. And I'm going to just say it right now. Spoilers ahead, right, Katie? Like we're not going to hold yep. back from the big stuff that goes down in this story. So if you've nope. not seen No Way Home and don't want to be spoiled, Please turn this off now and come back afterwards because <laughs> we are going to be sharing big things that if you haven't seen it, you're going to be like, whoa, that's wild. But we don't want you to hear it from us. We want you to see it and feel it first. <laughs> yes. Uh, man, bring me the person. If if you're the person who hasn't seen No Way Home and hasn't been spoiled about No Way Home, but downloaded and started listening to this podcast anyway, message me. <laughs> who you are i want to know your story (laughs) um well you know uh so my goodness this uh the the thing that really blew me away with no way home and i know i texted you this right after seeing it opening Mm -hmm. night was i have never experienced a big marvel movie in theaters like i said you know i mean wandavision was my entrance like i did see black widow this summer but again like there's still you know there's still a big you know covid um nervousness Mm -hmm. in in our culture which i totally respect and i think this summer it was still much bigger especially with the delta variant so like i saw black widow in a theater of maybe 15 people um so so you know like it was fun to see it but it was different but like at no way home i mean it was a pretty packed theater and just the cheers the collective laughter the collective tears like I mean, Katie, it was like, I mean, it was a religious oh. revival experience, you know? I mean, and, yes. and my, I think like one of the first <laughs> yes. things I said to you was like, I'm just so, I wish I had the time stone so I could go back to be a fan <laughs> during Endgame and like have experienced Endgame on on screen. Like people must have lost right. their minds. <laughs> so. Yeah, exactly. It, it really was. I mean, you can look up videos of people watching Endgame for the first time in theaters in just that collective experience. I mean, I, I so strongly feel that this is why movie theaters are important. Because, I mean, yes, we we go into movies to, like, descend into ourselves, right, and project our shadow onto that screen. You know, there there is a transcendence that happens within ourselves. But when we share that experience, that's when it's, like, next level because you can feel everyone around you having that same transcendence. And you just just want to, like, grab everybody next to you and start screaming, like, we're human. We're alive. You can feel what I feel. Not to get like too meta right out of the gate, but that's like, that's exactly that experience. You would describe it as like almost a religious thing because like you just feel it so spiritually when you're like, it's Tobey Maguire. <laughs> and here is super excited to see Tobey <laughs> Maguire because we all get it. We're all on the same wavelength, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I love that you were able to have that experience because, um, yeah, the the end game one was pretty special. My heart will forever break that you've missed out on that. Uh, what what's funny for me is that when I went to see Black Widow, the the theater was packed, but mm. uh, I think it it was a much more like subdued experience, kind of like you you talk about. I think there's you know there still is a big hesitancy, but it was even worse when Black Widow came out. But then for whatever reason, my theater when I saw Spider Man was still like really subdued like it was packed just like black widow but people weren't like cheering so much and stuff it was just kind of me every now and again going yeah 
uh, or no. And I felt like such a jerk because I was being like loud and rowdy and no one else was. <laughs> oh, well. Oh, well. You know, th- <laughs> I'm I, glad I, I would not have traded theaters with you for the world, though, because I want you to have that experience. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm so I mean, I'm just I feel so lucky that I got to have it. And the you know, one of the the wild things for me, and I don't think I did tell you this yet, Katie, is this is the first time in a movie theater I audibly cheered and clapped. I just I, I always for whatever reason, I feel awkward doing that. Like the people that applaud when the plane lands. It's like, why? Why? Why, why, are, we, why are we clapping? <laughs> I don't get it. Um, but I've always just felt awkward applauding or like cheering in a movie theater. And I did. Right, for the, right. I did three or four times here. And and I think in, in a main part, it's because it was like being at a concert. I just got swept up in the emotion of everyone else around me. Right. So any of those mm-hmm. prohibitions I normally bring in with me, like they just crumbled thanks to the people I got to experience this with. Oh, um, so good. That It's very Marvel. There's something. Yeah. Just extremely Marvel about the experience of going to a movie with, you know, a big crowded theater and how just into it people get and, you know, excited, like those big fight scenes. I'll, I'll never forget what it was like when, um, the first Avengers movie, when, uh, um, Hulk tries to pick up Thor's hammer. And that was kind of one of the first of those, like, I don't know, like real crossover moments. I don't know how to describe it where we had never seen something like that on screen where, you know, you, you as, as a comic book fan always think about what would happen if, if the Hulk tried to pick up Thor's hammer and then you just suddenly see it on the screen and like the confusion on the Hulk's face. And then you, you have that same reaction like in your body and all of a sudden everyone around you is having that same reaction. And I don't know, it's so visceral and real. And I just, and I just love it. There's nothing quite like it anywhere else. It's just distinctly Marvel. Yeah. Yeah. And well, you know, something that was particularly fun was, you know, I I live in Boston. So that scene when, you know, they're all talking about hopefully getting into MIT together, which technically speaking is in Cambridge, not Boston, but that's fine. Um, (laughs) But there's the scene when they're on the roof together and, you know, Peter's talking about like, oh, well, you know, I'll be able to fight crime there. Right. And then Ned goes, oh, yeah, wicked crime. Because like wicked is like a big (laughs) slang term in Boston. Right. So just the people like the, uh, the audience died like and probably died extra hard because it was a boston theater you know what i mean Uh, yeah that makes so much sense maybe that's why your theater was a little more rowdy than mine i think you know especially here in california you know a lot of people are still just like really reserved and like i'm not gonna shout i'm not gonna make a scene you know um you know just that like hesitancy is still here but in boston if you're like well they're talking about boston they're using boston slang like I could see how people would be more into it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that's cool. Um, well, Katie, what, what's like, what was something in particular or, or in general about No Way Home mm-hmm. that really stood out to you? Like, this was such an emotional story. And I, I know you and I both yeah. talked a lot about that and, and the points we cried. And I'm sure we'll talk about the points we cried because they were powerful <laughs> yeah. moments. Um, but this was an extremely emotional story in the way that Far From Home and Homecoming certainly weren't and, and understandably weren't. Um, but like, you know, what's something huge? Like, where, where are we starting? What do we want to talk about? 
Well, I mean, you know, obviously there's the little things um, with like like Matthew Murdoch showing up. That mm. that was a moment where I I, I fangirled. You know, <laughs> I was just like pointed because I didn't know he was going to be there. I pointed at the screen and went. Ah! <laughs> so you know, of course, there's going to be like every time a, an unexpected character shows up, or or, or um, Toby Maguire or Andrew Garfield show up. Those were like ah. Um, moments for me something huge of course is just the overall theme in this movie of you know changing the past can mm-hmm. we change the past can we atone for you know the mistakes in the past and it was it was just so well done in this movie and just really lovingly handled i think um, is that, is that something you picked up on as well? Yes. Well, I, that's, and that was, so, and mm-hmm. I remember you, when you actually, you and I, you know, we made our, we made a black widow episode, um, early fall, late summer. Um, and you know, talking about like entrance points into, into that particular story. I mean, this, this was the entrance point to me right from the get go, this, this desire to like, go back and fix something you feel like you messed up, um, right. or feel like, and, and that was, as soon as that became clear that that is, this is the theme of this story, um, you know, which is a very human theme, which is what Marvel is so good at. Um, I, I, that was my buy-in for sure. It was like when, you know, when Peter goes to, and, and the, the opening 20 odd minutes of this movie, I, I felt that tension for Peter. I felt that just like ang- that constant anxiety of like, everyone knows my secret. Now, no one likes me. Um, you know, he's public enemy yeah. number one all of a sudden. Um, that, to be fair, that's one thing I don't quite understand. Like, I haven't seen Far From Home since it came out because I wasn't nuts mm-hmm. about it. So I don't really remember why people all of a sudden liked Mysterio, but be that as it may. Um, yeah. I really felt that just, it just felt oppressive. Like, for Peter, like, you're like, oh my God, my heart is breaking for this poor kid. And, right? And, like, they can't get into school now. Everybody's rejecting them. And, and he just, yeah. you know, just that guilty feels and, and wanting to go back and undo it, going to Dr. Strange with that, with what seems like a simple request, but it's a monumental request, um, you know, and just this year in alone, there's something I would love to go back to earlier this year and replay it and redo it, do it better. Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, and, instead of losing what I lost. Um, and, uh, you know, so like, I just, that was exactly what, what bought me in just that, that want, that desire to want to change things. Yeah. That, that scene near the beginning where Peter is going back to school and all of those cameras, all those cell phones are pointed at mm. him. I felt that in my chest, like my whole chest seized up with anxiety. It was so real. Like um, I, uh, I used to substitute teach and I enjoyed substitute teaching for, um, you know, elementary school kids. But once you start getting up into middle school and high school where the kids, you know, have cameras and use them all the time, it's stressful going to school, you know, even just as a teacher is stressful. But like, you know, if, if I was, you know, if I was one of their peers and my kids recording me and judging me like that, oh, like, like I said, the anxiety was real. I felt that. So yeah, with Peter being like, how do I get all of this attention off of me? How do I go back and change that? He was very backwards looking. 
I, mm. I, I laughed really hard and was like, well, duh. When Dr. Strange was like, wait a second, you wanted me to cast a, a forgetful spell instead of like fighting your corner, <laughs> you know, because instead of like looking to the future and being like, how do I fix the future? Mm. Peter was thinking, how do I fix the past? And, you know, and then, I mean, that's it right there. That's, that's the whole, you know, spoiler of the movie. That's the lesson is that you can't fix the past. You can only fix the past by fixing the future. You know, that's what happens with, uh, with Andrew. I'm just going to call them by their actors' names instead yeah, of being like makes, Spidey 1, Spidey yeah. 2. <laughs> it just makes it with easier. Andrew, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Andrew can't save Gwen, but he can save MJ. Mm. Uh, Peter, uh, Toby <laughs> can't go back and stop himself from seeking revenge, but he can save Tom Holland from making that same mistake. You know, we, we, we can fix those things in the past by making choices now to save the future, you know? And that was such a strong theme in this movie. It, it really hit. Mm. I, yeah. I love that. And well, it has me wondering, um, and I, I wondering for like, I'm asking this to you because I just want to know what you think of this. And to mm-hmm. me, like end game, right. It's about fixing. It's about going back and right. bringing everyone back, but going right. And like, I feel like even just within the story that the, the fact that, um, you know, it, Tom Holland, Peter can even have the thought of like, oh, this is actually possible is because of Endgame, right? Endgame showed right. that you can somehow tamper with the past in a way, right? And and he goes there with the expectation of like, well, let's go into the past. And I don't even, you know, you're in Doctor Strange reminds him he doesn't have this time stone even anymore. Um, mm-hmm. So it, 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 it now they have to problem solve around that. But just, you know, do, do, you, do you see any similarity between this particular theme and Endgame's theme? I mean, m- maybe Endgame's theme is different. I don't that, This is something I've always had, like, hang up is not the wrong expression because that tends to have negative things. But like, that's always mm-hmm, just been mm-hmm. my big, my big question mark to this day. And I've watched Endgame a lot. Cause I just love that movie. Um, it's yeah. just like, what, what, like, okay. So the message is go back and fix it, but that's just not possible. Right? Like we can't go back and fix things. So I don't know. Like, do you feel right. like these, do you feel like there's any parallels here or are they sending a different message? Um, you, you've lived with Endgame a lot longer oh. than I have. So I'm just curious what, how you, how you see this. <laughs> Well, for me, it's a really interesting question that you pose. Uh, the, the themes are certainly linked because, you know, anytime there's time travel and, you know, and you go back to the well of time travel, you're going to be like, well, how come I can't time travel? It's It was okay to time travel then, but it's not okay to time travel now. Uh, what I think is important is that when they time travel in Endgame, they're not going back and killing Thanos as a baby. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, they, they say that we can't do that. You know, they, they make a point of being like, that's not how time travel works in this universe. You can't just go back and kill Thanos as a baby. They're, they're not actually trying to go back and fix mistakes. They're just using time travel as like, you know, as just a, I don't know how to explain it. They're, they're just going to grab the stones you know, almost like they're going to the grocery store, but it happens to be time travel. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're not going to the past to fix anything. They're just going to the past to, like, grab something <laughs> real quick. And uh, what 
what really like works for me about the time travel in end game is that it all it all comes back to it all comes back to the future. It's it all comes back to like I'm sorry, I'm having a hard time organizing my thoughts. That's fine. <laughs> Where everybody in Endgame is kind of stuck and they don't know how to move forward, you know? Mm-hmm. And so when they introduce this time travel, it's not because they want to go back and live in the past. It's because they, they just don't know how to unstick themselves. With the exception, I suppose, of uh, of Steve Rogers, who does literally go back to live in the past, which is honestly the thing that I have the most like trouble accepting is that he does that and just kind of abandons Bucky. He's just all like, bye, I'm going to go back and live in the past. Specifically, the only thing that can kind of square that in my mind is if I use the metaphor for like PTSD, where Steve has been through war and he doesn't know how to go home. He never knows what he wants and what, how does he come home from mm-hmm. war? And eventually, in the end, he is able to go home. So if I use it in a metaphor in that way, I can kind of square it in my mind, but I'm still not 100% okay with it because I'm like, but you left Bucky. Mm -hmm. You left Bucky out there, you you know? So, yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That was a lot. (laughs) No, no, but it was thorough. I liked it. Um, Thank you. Yeah. um, So, well, anyway, kind of just like rounding it back then into Spider-Man, um, you know, it, it, Dr. Strange, I guess you, you, right. He kind of immediately confronts Peter with the reality that like, we can't go back in time. That's just, that's, that's no longer even if it's not feasible anymore. Um, but I also right. like, I like that his initial, no, we can't. And we shouldn't was, you know, he, he almost is a mentor esque figure. He's like, all right, we already went back once and messed with, you know, space time and all of that. Um, and you want to do it again because your life is messy, right? Like right, kind of right. that, that mentor-esque type uh, stature here of, you know, okay, like I get it that things are – and when he says to him like, you know, and Peter kind of just rants about how like everything's falling apart, even his friend's lives and it's his fault. Though it just this, I mean Benedict Cumberbatch is just so perfect in this role. When he says, I really am sorry, like I feel that. I feel that he genuinely is right. sorry for Peter. Um, but I do like that the initial response though is, is like, yeah, but I mean, granted he doesn't, he doesn't then offer him any advice on like, well, how do you, how do you deal with this mess? And then it instead it pops into his mind because of an off chance thing Wong says that like, oh wait, but there's this spell (laughs) where we could make everyone forget. Um, so, so it's a little different, right? Like, do you feel like, does this then like, does this pull us away from, okay, well, we're going to go into the past to fix it. And, you know, so is this, is this a viable solution? Do you think? Again, no, I don't really think it's a viable solution. I, I, I have to remember that Dr. Strange is coming from a point of Peter has done every, he's explored every other option. You know, he's fought his corner. He's, you know, he, he's done as much future looking as he can, because I think there's a difference between my future, my present is hard and my future looks impossible. There's no way to get there, you know? And, and, oh, this is just a little inconvenient right now. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because it's like, well, we didn't get into the school we wanted. 
I'm sorry. I mean, that does genuinely suck when you don't get into the school you want, but you still have a future. You still have options open to you. You know what I mean? Peter could go fight his corner. And when we see him do that, we see him take that proactive step. Guess what? It goes great for him. You know what I mean? So if he had done that to begin with, eh, you know, it kind of would have been fine. So Dr. Strange is coming at this problem from like, oh, no, this poor kid has explored every avenue. So he genuinely thinks that the only way to solve this problem is with magic. And so Dr. Strange is like, sure, we can try that. (laughs) (laughs) So, and I mean, and it is hinted that he's used this spell before and it's gone well when he used it on Wong to like forget about a party, I think. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe he was making something up. But if we believe that he's used this spell before and it's gone well, I do understand like the logical progression of how strange was like okay yeah let's just make everybody forget that you're spider-man and then you can you know you can hopefully move forward from that Mm. but you know that that wasn't the actual situation yeah you know yeah Mm -hmm. peter had not explored other avenues yeah but what i think i kind of want to move on to you know um still talking about Dr. Strange is how once the universes start colliding and Dr. Strange is like, Oh no, this is a mess. Actually, this is going to get really sticky really fast. You know, he wants to send everybody back home. Peter says, we can't do that. If we send these guys home, they'll die. And then Stephen Strange says, well, in the grand scheme of the multiverse, their sacrifice is worth more than their lives. And I got so mad. I got really heated in the theater (laughs) because that's Thanos logic. Mm, You know, mm -hmm. that's Thanos logic where sacrifice, the sacrifice of these people is worth more than their lives. And that's not what Avengers are supposed to do. Avengers don't trade lives. That's what Captain America said. The difference between the life of one and the life of many, you know, it it should matter. Those lives should matter. We should fight for the living. And Steven's just out here using Thanos logic like it's fine. (laughs) I didn't like it. Well, that first episode of Hawkeye where Clint goes to the bathroom and somebody had graffitied Thanos was right. That was probably Stephen Strange. So, <laughs> he was probably in the bathroom I love there that. at Rockefeller Center. So. Yeah, he went to go see Rogers the Musical. Yeah. <laughs> and Stephen isn't in Rogers the Musical, is he? Yeah. So he was yeah. probably like, hey, I'm not yeah. in this. Right. Oh, Thanos was right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's why he got so mad. <laughs> uh, no, but yeah, what a, what a great point about like, yeah, I mean, he's just – He's he's wrong. And and that and I love that Peter is he you know I one of the highlights to me of Tom Holland's Spider-Man has been the fact that Tom Holland is young. Um and he plays young Spider-Man well. Um right like Toby right. Toby and Andrew Garfield when they played those parts they were Toby immediately graduated high school like in the first movie. So like they mm-hmm. were a little bit older whereas Tom Holland is I mean he's finally graduating high school in the final final movie of the trilogy right. and and there's just this like sweet innocence to him where it's like, well, no, like we, we need to find a better way to change their fates. Like, no, it doesn't, it, do, it shouldn't just be their fate that they go back and have to die. Um, right. You know, let's cure them. Right. Like it seems yeah, like, right. it, which seems like such a, for whatever reason, like that thought doesn't even cross Dr. Strange's mind that there could be a way um, to redeem these people. Right. Right. Um, yeah. 
So well, he just sees he just sees the math of it, and in a way, in a way, I do appreciate Stephen Strange, you know, being kind of the cold logic, the little more Thanos esque guy of the team. Because one, it's just interesting drama when you have like um, you know Stephen Strange and Tony Stark in a room, and Stephen is like. Okay, if I have to save you, the kid, or the time stone, I won't hesitate to save the stone. And then Tony's like, great, wonderful moral compass you got there. You know, that's just good drama. But it's also just like it's it's more interesting when there's one person on the team who is a little more cold and calculating that way. And so when Steven is like doing the math of like, well, you know, they died in their universes, everything's gonna explode. If I can stop everything from exploding by, you know, sending them back to where they came from and like they're going to make the choices they're going to make. I can't control that. He's like, that's a no brainer to him. And so, I mean, I think he's wrong. I don't like it, but I do understand like how he got there. Mm -hmm. And I think because Peter doesn't know these people, you know, he, he isn't familiar with them as villains. He's more open to seeing their humanity and because he sees them as people he wants to save them. And I think that's very lovely because that's what, you know, ideally our heroes are supposed to do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I love the scene where, yeah. he's, where he's doing the magic. He's, he's casting this rune and Peter starts interrupting, you know, um, <laughs> it's, was, it's really cute. Yeah. I was talking with a, with a friend today. He goes, he goes, you know, I blame all this on Dr. Strange. Cause he should have told him beforehand. Like when I start, you can't talk. Right, like he should have, <laughs> he should have given him some of these kind of important prerequisites before they started True. the spell. Um, and well, he's uh, not used to dealing with kids. He's just, he true. just assumes that everybody's going to act like an adult. But no, you're right. He should have been like, <laughs> okay, if you talk, it's going to really mess things up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and well, it's it's just it's it's kind of. It's really like, again, it's just cute that Peter, like, it's like, oh, wait, well, I want these people to remember, you know, and the, you know, the big one, obviously for him is, is MJ. And then of course, Aunt May, he's, you know, he said it was so hard for May when she first found out. I don't think I could, I don't think I could live through that again, which again is a very teenager thing to say, right? I think it's a very mm-hmm. human thing to say. Like, um, I feel like all the time, all of us probably say like, oh, I could never go through that again, fill in the blank. Um, right. But, right. But it, th- there's, there's such a an earnestness to that for a teenager. Like, I don't think I could go through that again. It's like, well, you could like, would you rather go yeah, through that could. again or continue to like deal with the things that are bothering you now? Right. Um, exactly. Yeah. So, yep. Um, but really quick, actually, I, I just want to make sure I mention this again. I, I, I talked about this a lot when the trailer came out I think we talked about it, but, uh, well, actually I'm just going to, I'm going to, do you mind if I change uh, gears a bit and talk about something else? Yeah, I um, do it all the time, okay. Carl. <laughs> well, I just I'm realizing like as I was like, all right, here's what I wanted to say next, but it has really nothing to do with what we're talking about now. But it's kind sure. of a yeah. major point. The, the one of the I, I really love MJ and Peter in this, and I I love the chemistry yeah. of Zendaya, Zendaya or Zendaya. Do you know how to say it? I think it's Zendaya. Zendaya. Okay, Zendaya and Tom Holland have such amazing chemistry, and and I'm pretty sure they are together in in real life too. Yeah, they're dating now. Um, yeah, which as is, of recording, they're dating yeah, now, which is adorable, <laughs> and I'm sure that yes. adds to their chemistry on screen. Um, and I would actually argue the same is true of Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone. Like Amazing Spider-Man Two is mm-hmm. a hot mess of a movie, but those two, I love their chemistry. 
Um, and well, because they, they were also they dating. were also dating. Yeah, Carl, um, you didn't know? Did you know that? I did know. That. I knew that they started dating after making the first Spider-Man movie. Um, yeah, and so, Tobey Maguire and Kirsten Dunst started dating what? after Spider-Man. There's just something about oh. it. You kiss a Spider-Man in a movie, you got to date him in real life. <laughs> <laughs> it's just math. life imitates art. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know that about Toby and Kirsten. Um, yeah. Yep. But but anyway, I I love their chemistry in this story, and some of my favorite moments are the tenderness that they that that I mean, it's usually MJ showing it to him. But mm-hmm. when they're walking into school, and again, we got the shot even in the trailer, the way she just grabs his hand and holds it, right? Like yeah. he, not letting him be alone in this. Um, and then the scene that I probably cried hardest at in the movie was, you know, when they, they don't know where he is, right? They're looking for they're looking for Peters and Spider-Man, and they end up getting Toby and Andrew. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. And then it's Toby, the older wise brother, who says, well, there was always a place I went when I was feeling like this. So where would he be? And then they find him right on the roof of the school. And the way MJ and Ned just go and embrace him, right, after, yeah. after May has been killed. And yeah. the way they embrace him... I, I just it's just like, yes, these these are exactly the types of friends that I have in my life now. And I'm so I'm so lucky that I have them because I've been on many a rooftop feeling alone and just knowing that those like you have these friends that come and embrace you when you are feeling your worst. And I just I just love that moment so much. And and just the tenderness that that these three characters have for one another. Um, it's just astounding. It's, you know, it's, I think this is part of what makes Spider-Man so lovable is the fact that he has people that love him so intensely in his, in his life. <laughs> right. <laughs> because of how the movie ends. Cause you're right. Like, yeah, he, he had had these people and it's just really important that he had that support network and now it's gone and I'm crying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's rough. <laughs> what well, do you want to talk about that now? We don't have to go the into- ending. Yeah, yeah, we can. Yeah, we-, we can. Um, I don't know, or we could talk about how you know you were talking about how that was really real for me, for you. Mm. What was like almost too real for me was when um, all of the villains, um, you know, as they, they have come into um, Tom Holland's universe, they all are realizing that they got here the moment they died. Like they all died and now they're here. And that realization of, Oh no, I died. And like, this is my second chance. That's like, that was a lot. (laughs) And then Peter's, I don't know, uh, Tom Holland, Peter, his like devotion to I'm going to save you and I'm going to give you that second chance, that that defiance, you know, that's what we would all want, right? To come out of the other side of something and to to be supported that other chance that's oh, I this movie made me cry a lot, Carl. And it started early. It started with, uh, I think it started with that, was the villains kind of realizing, oh no, this went really wrong for us. And, uh, you know, Peter, like, goes in, uh, you know, Stephen is telling him, you know, that this this is wrong. You know, this this is their fate. This could all end really badly. 
and then it it does end really badly. You know, this it, it starts to go well. He does he cures um, Doctor Octavius, and and then and then something flips in the Green Goblin's head, and you know the villains start actually fighting. Things start exploding. Aunt May is sadly killed, and you know that that hit. Let's let's yeah, let's talk about that with Aunt May dying, and you know this almost I feel like that that loss that grief is kind of the price we pay (laughs) for moving forward and that sounds really nihilistic but I think for me that's actually like really hopeful I'm I'm sounding so confusing so do you actually mind I'm gonna like take a step back and talk about something else real quick yeah do it I'm so sorry this is weird but I hope it'll make sense by the end of it um there's this uh, video game that I really like called Night in the Woods. And um, it's actually a really fun game, but it deals with some like really heavy matter, which you kind of you kind of have to do that. If you're going to deal with some really heavy subject matter, you kind of have to have a really light tone to balance that out, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, the main character is this girl named May, and she is... The, the whole game is just her like struggling with depression. And she's like, why should I get out of bed every day if I'm just eventually going to die? She's like, why should I make friends if, you know, they're all eventually going to leave this, um, the game like takes place at the end of her like senior year of high school and like all of her friends are leaving and stuff. And she's just like, what is even the point of getting out of bed? What is even the point of trying? Since we're all going to lose eventually. Right. I, I'm sorry, that's just a fact. We will all lose eventually, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So why? Why do we do this? And then at the end of the game, she's kind of like staring into the face of what I guess you could interpret as God. She's staring into the face of like this just unknowable force. And she says, I get it. This won't stop until I die. But when I die, I want it to hurt. When my friends leave, when I have to let go, with this, when this entire town is wiped off the map, I want it to hurt bad. I want to lose. I want to get beaten up. I want to hold on until I'm thrown off and everything ends. Mm-hmm. That happens to something. It means that I'm something. And it's pretty amazing to be something. And so I think when Peter is like, I'm going to try, I'm going to fight for these people and hang on so tight that of course it's going to hurt when he loses, right? You know, that, that's the price we pay for being something. To have that grief to cry so hard when Aunt May dies it's because he really had something, you know? And that's pretty amazing, isn't it? Yeah. To have something? That's pretty amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so well, that was really heavy. Well, yeah. I feel like that connects so beautifully to what um, Vision says at the end of Age of Ultron, where he says something isn't beautiful because it lasts, right? Right. Um, yeah. No, that's so true. Yeah. 
that really resonates with me. That idea of like, I am going to hold on so tight that it hurts when I'm thrown off. And, you know, seeing Peter get thrown off that hard, you know, it, that really hit me that, that resonated. And I cried a lot. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, were you surprised that May died? Is actually, I mean, when she said the thing, when she said with great power, there must be great responsibility. I think I kind of whispered, oh no, mm. but she was looking okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's always looking fine. Let's be yeah. real. <laughs> but like, I thought she was going to be okay, but then she fell down and she was like, oh, I just need to catch my breath. I was like, oh no, oh no. But you know what? That almost like, like masochistic way i i actually really liked it i i as soon as it started to happen as soon as she started to die and peter was getting so upset and begging her not to go i was i i liked that we stayed with that scene for so long and we really kind of wallowed in it because i'm like if this is going to be his tragic origin story, if this if this is something that's really going to happen and we're really going to dig into this, then there should be a great wailing and gnashing of teeth, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think it should just go by so quick. Uh, you know, there there we should we should hang on, right? It's what I've been saying, we should hang on so tight that it hurts. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, were you surprised? Um, yes. Again, like I felt like it, once it started to happen, no, it's like, oh my God, they're going to, they're going to kill May. Holy, holy, holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, but you going know? into it. Yeah. No, I never, never guessed that. And even like when things started going wrong at Happy's apartment, right. Where, you know, Norman trips back into green goblin mode and, and just starts, you know, and then chaos just ensues and, and Aunt May is, you know, making a run for it. It's like, Oh man, she's a she's in danger, but it's like, eh, she's going to be just fine. But then, you know, at, what is this? A DC movie? It's, right? it's going to be okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh no, I I didn't realize. I honestly didn't realize that I was watching a Spider-Man origin story. Just real quick, I'm super mad that the MCU got me to watch another Spider-Man origin story because I was like, I'm done. I'm not going to watch any more Spider-Man origin stories. <laughs> And when when Peter showed up in the MCU and they just went, yeah, he was bit by a spider. Move on. I was really glad I didn't have to watch another Spider-Man origin story. And then, but they were like, no, just wait, just wait. We're gonna make you watch well, you another know, Spider-Man origin. Was it, and well, even in Homecoming, um, Ned mm-hmm. asks him. He's like, you know what happened? He's like, I got bit by a spider. And he's like, where is the spider? He's like, the spider's dead, Ned. Right? Because like Ned wants the powers. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But there's no mention of Uncle Ben. Like, I don't think. Tom, right? Tom Holland Peter has ever mentioned Uncle Ben, almost to imply that maybe he was already gone before before anything really happened big for him. Um, but I, yeah, actually, there might not even have been an Uncle Ben. Right, like he might have just never existed. Yeah, like, yeah, absolutely. Um, but the thing is, is what's the 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 reason I really liked May saying, you know, the the famous Spider Man line is I felt like it the matched. Up, the, yeah. <laughs> It, I felt like it. I really enjoyed the way that worked into again go, that that rooftop scene where Ned and and MJ are comforting him, 
But then you've also got the two new spider, you know, the two other Spider-Men there. And there is this reflection on the fact that both Andrew and Toby came into these roles in light of tragedy and continued these right. roles in spite of tragedy. There's a really beautiful comic, um, a, a single issue comic. I believe it's from the amazing Spider-Man. A friend recommended it to me years ago and I actually bought finally just a hard copy of it. Cause I love it so much. Um, and in the copy is this particular run of Spider-Man. Peter's identity has been shared. He's, he's chosen to disclose it to the public which amps up all of the you know threats to MJ and Aunt May. And Aunt May's in the hospital very, very sick because somebody attacked her. I don't remember which villain. It doesn't really matter. And he's, <laughs> you know, he's having this crisis of faith. Like, I should have never said anything. And then he has this encounter with who's called the stranger. Honestly, Katie, it's, it's, it's kind of a, a biblical reflection on the book of Job, which I also think is brilliant because Spider-Man was created by a lot of Jewish folks. Um, so how cool to like pull in this, but at the end of the day, the issue ends with, cause Peter's like, I'm going to hang it up. Right. Which is a common trope in the speed, the Spider-Man story. But the, the stranger reveals to him the immense impact he's had on the world around him, not just from the people he has physically, literally saved, but the inspiration and the hope he has given to his society and to culture and how important it is that he continues to be Spider-Man. And I feel like when Aunt May delivers that line to him, it, it connects Tom to Andrew and Toby. And because specifically Toby, I mean, I love that he's he's playing the same age that he is now. Like he's an older Spider-Man. Yeah. And I love right. that he passes on this wisdom that like, in a way, this is kind of what it's meant to be Spider-Man is that tragedy does befall us. But it doesn't prevent us from being who we are. And, and Andrew says the same thing when he says, yeah, he goes, I lost someone too, Gwen. And when I lost Gwen, I wanted to stop. But then I knew she would never want me to stop. Um, right. So and right, I just feel exactly. like it, I, that's how it. So like I, I don't see it as like a, a, a particularly his origin story. I feel like it connects us back to the classic origin story of Spider-Man just to even say like even across the multiverse. So part of what mm -hmm. makes Spider-Man Spider-Man is you know, and I know this is a pretty common trope for a lot of superheroes, but specifically for Spider-Man, he is he has often been born from tragedy and yet never stops being Spider-Man. Um, so I, right. I, I really liked the way that we got to work that all in after May dies. And this is really weird, Katie, and I, I hope you'll still be my friend. But for whatever reason, like I didn't cry during May's death. And I, I was really I was like mad at myself. I'm like, Carl, why aren't you crying? What the hell's wrong with you? Um, oh, no. And like and I felt really guilty. I was upset was upset that peter was so upset <laughs> <laughs> and and well and like i and I, I was i was so sad for peter more than anything and it was it was the following scene right where they do find him on the roof that's what broke me because it's like because mm -hmm. he feels so alone here and and he he, right. get, he gets the beautiful reminder that he's not and then and then not only that like so I, I just I love the structure of that particular scene that it's it's his immediate friends that comfort him. That's exactly what he needs in that moment. They can't take mm -hmm. the pain away, but they can at least love on him while he's hurting. And then right. yeah. then he gets this new like grander image or, or grander vision from his his contemporaries, if you will, who help remind him that he's got this special calling and he should still be faithful to it, even though it hurts. So like, I love that he kind of got both of those, you know, it, it was Peter Parker being healed and then Spider-Man being healed. Um, yeah. It's, I just, it I was, love that scene. It, it was so, I loved 
just the collective healing that went on that by healing Tom Holland, the other spider people were healed as well. That that's just transcendent. That's, that's next step to me when, you know, when you are responsible to your community and your community takes care of you, like, Oh, Oh, that's, that's like, that's, that's star Wars, man. (laughs) That's, you know, uh, that's the force. That's my, I, ideal version you know my idolized version like the force where you know their their sense of self but the sense of self is cared for by the community and you in turn care for the community anyway (laughs) that yeah what what made me cry in that scene was was toby honestly toby got me through this like whole movie i think maybe it's because you know, I'm, I'm probably, I think I'm closer to Toby's age than anyone else. I don't know. Maybe we're closer to Garfield's age, Andrew Garfield's. I'm not sure. I'd have to do math, but, um, you know, me remembering watching him in theaters, you know, and being like, and now look at the man that he is passing on this wisdom. I don't know that really, that really made me cry was when the, when the other, two Spider-Men were looking at Tom Holland and yeah, passing on this wisdom. And he is in such a low point. He's saying, I'm, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to send the villains back. And if you guys kill them, that's on you. You know, he's just absolving himself of all responsibility, mm-hmm. but Toby, especially being able to look at him and saying that that's a mistake. It's not going to make you feel better. And when you look back on this, you'll regret it, you know, Mm -hmm. and reminding him to listen to that, to his better angels in that moment, you know, that his, to not give into this despair and make sort of vengeful choice to just send the villains back. And I really, I, I really want to talk about how, you know, healing, healing, not only Tom Holland, but, um, Toby and Andrew Garfield as well. It's so good. <laughs> it's just so good. And it really is for me, it's the next evolution of the remake era. Carl, mm-hmm. yeah. I've said this before and yeah. I'm going to con- continue to say it, but this sort of storytelling, it's what the e- remake era hath wrought. People are going to get so sick of me saying it, but I'm going to say it over and over because I really think we've entered this new era of storytelling where for the past 20 years or so, we have seen the same story just remade. You know, the same story told over again. Nothing learned, nothing gained. Here, Oh, here's the same old story. Here's Cinderella again. Here's Beauty and the Beast again. You know, same story, nothing new. You know, we, we crave new endings we we're, we're we're all sitting here going now what you know mm-hmm. and it has this era has reached its inevitable inevitable conclusion which is what if the story ended differently this time and we get to have that we get to have that so many different ways in this story in this movie like not just with healing the villains and changing their fate, but like allowing Andrew Garfield to, you know, symbolically save Gwen and Toby is able to prevent Tom Holland from making the same mistakes. We just, ah, Carl, I'm in love, Carl. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. Uh, I'm going to quote, I'm going to quote yeah. something else since I'm on a roll. Yeah. Like I said before, I, I also do this all the time. My brain is always like, Oh, this reminds me of another thing. <laughs> it reminds me of, there's a movie called saving Mr. Banks. I don't know if you've seen it or heard of it, Mm-mm. Carl. No, no. Oh, it's really, it's really meta and fun. It's the story of uh, PJ Travers selling the rights to Mary Poppins uh, you know, her books, the Mary, uh, Mary Poppins to Walt Disney <laughs> and Tom Hanks plays Walt Disney. And it's a delightful film. I really like it, but she is really hesitant to give her story to Walt Disney because she really thinks he's going to mess it up. She thinks he doesn't understand these books and what they mean to me. He doesn't understand the message of the story. And at the end of the film, um, Walt Disney goes to her and opens up to her, tells her about uh, his abusive childhood. And he, he talks about being an eight year old boy, you know, and, and, and his dad sending him out to deliver newspapers in the snow. And he has this line where he says, um, rare is where I don't think about that eight year old boy and his father with a belt in his fist. Mm. But you know, I am just so tired I'm tired of remembering it that way. We all have our, our sad tales, but don't you want to finish them? Don't you want to let it all go and have a life not dictated by the past? And then he tells her that if he lets her tell Mary Poppins' story, and specifically the story of Mr. Banks, that's why the movie is called Saving Mr. Banks. If you give me the story of Mr. Banks, Mr. Banks will be saved. Not in life, but in imagination, because mm. that is what we storytellers do. We restore order with imagination. We instill hope again and again and again. Ah, oh, Carl. Mm. And that to me is transcendent. That's why we tell stories. And that's why stories like this movie speak to me so much. We've heard the story. We know that the Green Goblin dies. We know that Gwen falls off the bridge and dies but what if we told the story a different way? What if it ended differently this time? Mm. And what if we instilled hope? Oh, oh, <laughs> there it is. There it is. Oh. There it is. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I mean, I don't have anything to add directly to that. Um, but so that's why I'll just be cheap here and, and go with something you at least mentioned in all of that, which is. Uh, oh sure, Andrew saving MJ. Um, that, yeah, that yeah. Was, oh, that, it's so good. That was probably, honestly, it may have been my favorite little moment in the entire movie. Is when, you know, when MJ falls off and Peter Tom Tom Peter dives for her and then gets booted away by the Green Goblin. I'm like, no, don't oh, don't tell me no. we're, now we're going to lose MJ too. Like, I I think I would have just walked mm-hmm. out and been like. Off this. I'm done. <laughs> same. I'm done. Oh, same. Um, I told, oh my gosh. I told my beloved that. I said, if MJ dies, because that was in the, it was in one of the trailers. Yeah. We saw Zendaya like falling. And yep. I said, if MJ dies, I will walk out. I will walk yep. out. Yep. I won't stand for it. But, but like, but instead it does what you just talked about so beautifully. It gets to undo something else. Well, it gets to have give a different outcome, and that's why I love. And it's so funny, Katie's. I had never seen Amazing Spider-Man two until two days before seeing this movie. I watched it with a friend, and like, I mean, I never liked Amazing Spider-Man one. And he and I rewatched that movie about a 
about a couple weeks ago, and I was like, yeah, this still just doesn't work for me. But I really liked Amazing Spider-Man 2. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Like, yes, it's kind of a hot mess, but it was really good. And the main thing that was great about that entire movie is the is the um, the chemistry between Andrew and Emma Stone. It's so good. Right. And yeah. actually, by the way, sorry, this is a quick little spoiler because I know you haven't seen it, but there's this really adorable scene at the end of the movie where like, obviously like, oh, the villains are coming together, right? It's going to be the big end battle. And MJ or not MJ, Gwen wants to go with, with Andrew to the confrontation. He's like, you can't come. And she's like, this is my choice. I'm coming. And he's like, okay, fine. And then he's, he spider webs her hands to a car and he goes, I'm sorry, but I'll be oh, back rude. later. Well, and she yells, Peter. And then quickly, like immediately covers her mouth because she realizes she yelled his real name. And it's so adorable. It's so cute. Oh, that is cute. Emma Stone plays it perfectly. But so then like 10 minutes later when she falls and he doesn't get her and like it's again, as much as that movie's a mess, that scene is really well done. And her head, Mm. if you're seriously, if you look away for a second, it wouldn't look like she dies because the way they shoot it is. He does catch her with a web, but it's just as she's about to the bottom and the whiplash of it causes her head to hit it. And yeah. and Andrew Garfield is such a beautiful actor as he's holding her, crying her, and 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 kind of what you were talking about earlier, Katie. Like you really get to hold that in that scene with him. Like Andrew lets you mm-hmm. hold the grief of this moment and and how much this hurts. So when he catches MJ here in No Way Home and lands with her, and he's like, "Are you okay?" And she's like, "Yeah." And then he like a tear starts to come to his comes down his cheek, and she says, "Are you okay?" And he's like, "Yeah." I'm fine. It's just, it's so beautiful. I, and I don't have anything more profound than that, but it just, it's so touching that he's able to, again, like, yes. And like Toby does the same thing, um, with the green goblin confrontation, but for whatever reason, just the Andrew Garfield moment is the one that really got me. Yeah. What I really liked about the Andrew Garfield moment was when, yeah, when she says, are you okay? That, you know, he just, quite literally saved her from dying, but she takes that moment to check on him because his feelings matter too, Mm. which we'll talk about again when we get to the end, like, you know, his feelings also matter. And she takes that moment to be like, are you okay? That was lovely to me. That made my heart like just swell up. I loved it. But then like kind of in the way that moment really got to you, for me, it was when Toby Maguire steps in front of Tom Holland and the Green Goblin. Norman. Let's call him Norman. You know, that man, Toby really brought his A game in this, I think. You know, it reminded me that he's a good actor, actually, and that I yeah. enjoyed him in things like Pleasantville, you know? Mm-hmm. And just like the look on his face of like you don't want to do this. You don't want to be me. I've gone down this road. I know where this road leads. You know, just just don't. That was so lovely. That hit, man. I, I know I keep saying that, but it's true. <laughs> Every time it hits, like, it really is like a punch. Just a punch right to my heart. Mm, yeah. <sighs> I got a lot out of just... He doesn't even say anything. He just has a look on his face. Yeah. Yeah, it does a lot for me. Yeah. Yep. He I mean, I I I've ever since the ever since Homecoming came out, I've mm-hmm. you know, been asking myself the question of like who's my favorite Spider-Man. Um and 
I was talking to my roommate about this tonight. You know, I, I still like there's still just such a soft spot in my heart for um, Toby Maguire, and it's probably because in 2002. I was in 10th grade and I saw, I mean, I've told this story on Wampus Lair a million times, but it was the first time ever where a Star Wars movie came out and then another movie that wasn't Star Wars came out and I liked the other movie more and I felt so guilty about it. <laughs> <laughs> and like, uh, I mean, I have a very different relationship. Guilty? Yes, I felt <laughs> so bad. I felt God. so bad and I was like, I can't say it out loud because then my Star Wars cred is 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 not so like i was always like no. oh yeah spider-man is so fun but oh yeah attack of the clones is out and star wars is better but like in my heart of hearts i was like that's not true carl just admit it <laughs> so cute carl um, that's adorable <laughs> but but i'm i'm with you though i toby really brought it and you know i haven't seen him in i saw pleasantville once years ago and i really want to rewatch it based on some stuff we were talking about the other night um but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I've not really seen him in anything else. Uh, I saw him in Seabiscuit as well. Yeah. Um, but like he, <laughs> he was really good and he perfectly stepped back into who he was as Spider-Man 20 years ago. Right. Um, but also right. 20 years wiser. Like um, like they really are like this little family unit, the three Spider-Men. Uh, yeah. And, and I, I love that line when Andrew says, I've always wanted brothers. Like uh, that was yes. so cute. Like I it was so it. wholesome. Yeah, it was so wholesome, Carl. And, I love this wholesomeness. And, and Toby's <laughs> adorable little smile that he he cracks when he says it too. It's just so cute. Um, oh yeah. And well, and, I love I loved Toby going when he shoots the web out of his you know wrist. Yeah, and he's like, oh, you guys can't do that, yeah. huh? Like, <laughs> so cute. Well, and their chemistry. You want to talk about? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I do. Well, and, and hey, we can go into the chemistry classroom where it all starts. Um, well, I, <laughs> I, I also, I also really like though. It's I, I do think it is on the scaffolding towards the end. But when Andrew is, he's he's like Toby is pumping him up. He's like, "You are amazing. Listen to me. You're amazing. I I want to hear you say amazing. it." And but he he also talks about like uh, Andrew admits that he still doesn't have a person in his life, right? Like he doesn't have. A partner right it's pretty clear right. that since gwen has passed away he's just kind of continued being spider-man almost in honor of her and memory of her but hasn't allowed himself to move on beyond her um and toby reflects to him that he does have someone like it's clear that he's still with kirsten dunst's mj and he's like yeah we've mm-hmm. made it work like he implies that it's there's been a lot of work to make it work but they've made it work and kind of softly encourages Andrew that it's okay to move on and that you can do this life and have someone. So again, like I love that he's even mentor, he's mentoring Andrew in that moment. It's really beautiful. Exactly. Yeah. He, he feel, he does feel like a Spider-Man who is 20 years older than when we last saw him. Like his story didn't stop when we last saw him, he has lived in the last 20 years and you can really feel that in this performance. And, you know, I wonder how much of, so Dr. Strange has an, has a line which sums up kind of the core of this movie really well, kind of like what is Peter's arc going to be, not just in this movie, but move, but, you know, going forward in the MCU. And that's, The problem is you're trying to live two lives. And so when we see these two other Spider-Man come in, we have Andrew who has dedicated himself to only being Spider-Man. He shows up wearing his suit, right? Mm -hmm. He shows up wearing a Spider-Man suit. And he's like, nope, don't have a personal life. That's just not really in the cards for Spider-People. 
And then we have Toby who shows up disconnected from his spider self, right? He's not wearing his suit. He's wearing street clothes. Everybody thinks, oh, that's just some guy. <laughs> that's what Norm says, you know? Yeah. And he's like, no, I, I have a personal life. But we don't really hear about him crime fighting. I think it's implied in this film. I'm going to have to watch it again to see if this theme is like really there. But I feel like it's implied that he isn't really connected with his spider self anymore. These two spider people have made a choice, you know, to to just live one life. Mm -hmm. But that's not what's going to make them whole. That's not what's going to complete them. And in reconnecting with his spider self, Toby is healed. And in reconnecting with people and having a personal life again, Andrew is healed. And so we know that they can both move forward as better spider people. Um, our Peter, Tom Holland, Peter, at the end of this movie, he said, I'm only going to be Spider-Man. He's more on that Andrew Garfield path. But I would hope that he is all able to integrate himself. Mm-hmm. I'm using Star Wars terms again. He needs balance. He needs to be able to be whole, you know? I mean, Dr. Strange isn't wrong. His problem, yes, is that he's trying to live two lives. He needs to live one life as a spider person with all of those consequences and personal relationships. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That's yeah. just something I picked up. On. No. Uh, yeah, absolutely. That's so good. And you know, <laughs> I think my favorite joke, because obviously doing what I do for work when they're getting ready to, you know, head out for the final battle and they're in the classroom and Andrew turns to Toby and says, so did you bring a suit with you? You got a suit or are you just going to go looking like the cool youth pastor? <laughs> I was like, yes. It's awesome. I loved that. Carl. And then he just like pulls his t-shirt down cool. a little bit to reveal that he's got it on under it. But I love that. Yeah, he's like, right. I love that. Cool. For Andrew, youth he looks like a cool youth pastor. Yeah. I was like, oh, I, I feel so seen. <laughs> Carl, are you going to start wearing like a Superman, not a Superman, a Spider-Man outfit like under your clothes? Oh, Katie. Like, like I don't already. Um. Do it right. <laughs> Oh, oh, that's so good. You know, my favorite joke was actually when I was walking out of the theater and my beloved said, and the worst part of this movie is that Into the Spider-Verse came here first and completely ate its lunch. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's true a little bit. I think that, that, you know, yeah, the only thing holding back this movie is that Spider-Verse got here first and Spider-Verse was just so good. Mm-hmm. Just yeah, it, that's the only thing holding this movie back. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I know, like, among most of my friends, they wouldn't agree with me saying this, but I prefer No Way Home to Into the Spider Verse, probably just because I prefer live action storytelling to animated storytelling. Um, well, that's fair. But, uh, but yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, I think, I think in a weird way, though, Into the Spider Verse made us ready for this and helped us be ready for. That's this. true because it was so it did, perfect. You know what? That it was like exactly the idea of a multiverse to me initially was like, Oh, that seems just so bizarre and odd. And into the spider verse just did it so seamlessly and perfectly that it made this feel possible. Exactly. Yeah. It, it, it was very brave. They're like, you know what? If people can accept, uh, accept a spider ham, a a spider pig, (laughs) 
then people can accept a lot, you know, they can, they can accept Tobey Maguire showing up in Tom Holland's, you know, Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. And, and you're right. It, it absolutely primed us as an audience to see stuff like that on the big screen. And, you know, you're, you're, you're absolutely allowed to think to prefer no way home to Spider-Verse. I think maybe I prefer Spider-Verse just because it made me happier at the end. Mm. We got to talk about that ending, Let's man. Let's talk about it. Because, um, yeah. But first, to kind of get into that, with Spider-Verse, Into the Spider-Verse, kind of, and it comes up here, too, in this film, kind of a thing they talk about is just how lonely it is to be Spider-Man. You know, that kind of mm-hmm. old guard of superheroes that Spider-Man, you know, that history that Spider-Man comes out of where the superhero has a secret identity and he can't tell his girlfriend who he is because she'll just get hurt. You know, <laughs> that kind of very old way of thinking still lives in Spider-Man today. And it's so lonely. It's so unbearably lonely. And so in Spider-Verse, all of these Spider-Men come together and realize I'm not the only one. Yeah. And then that's the actual note that the movie goes out on. Less like laying down in bed and then he can hear the, the multiverse is speaking to him. Mm-hmm. All those other spider people. He says, I'm not the only one, you know, that it's his realization that he's not alone. And so we very much have that theme in this movie where Peter is realizing, you know, all these Peters across every multiverse is realizing I'm not alone. And that's so beautiful and lovely. But then it ends with Peter deciding to be alone. And that makes me feel bad. So, of course, I like the movie that ends on the happy note. So yeah, let's talk about that ending. It's it's allowed to make me feel bad. I, you know, I'm not saying every movie has to make me happy. What do you think, Carl? How did it make you feel? I actually thought it was kind of um I, I thought it was kind of lovely actually. Mm, um Okay. And I mean sad and lovely. It, I think it can be both and those things. So Better sweet? Yeah. Absolutely. You know, um I think so I, I, I love the way that you just kind of reminded us of how Into the Spider-Verse ends, right? Because that, that is such an important part of how it ends is that he does have that community. Um, and Peter's about to lose literally everybody that he's close to. Yeah. Um, he doesn't yeah. have an Aunt May anymore. He doesn't have a Tony Stark anymore. Um, Doctor Strange won't even know who he is. Won't, right? Not even the Avengers are going to know that Peter Parker is Spider-Man anymore. Nobody. Right, right. Um, which, oh, by the way, quick side note, that was also funny when he's trying to explain to the other Spider-Men what the Avengers are. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> that was really cute. cute. <laughs> um, oh. But yeah, so he's, you know, so he's going to, he's going to lose everybody. And I kind of wish that like, I kind of wish we did get a little bit more of a moment with the three Spider-Men beforehand. Um mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. again in the similar vein that into the spider verse did where it is a reminder that he's going to be he's not going to be he's not going to be alone um but so it ends with mj making peter promise that he will come find her and tell her and that's that last scene he goes into the you know the cafe she works at with a script ready to to tell her and he chooses not to and i think the reason that's so beautiful is is I think for Peter in that moment, he understands that what they have, what they had 
is something so innately deep that it can come about organically. He doesn't need to drop this truth bomb in hopes that this is what it'll be. I think like the fact that she, you know, she makes that comment that she always makes. It's, you know, better to be better to expect disappointment. And when he kind of quotes that back to her, right, she like there's this quick understanding. He's like, wow, this guy really gets me. And I think for me in that moment, that's when Peter realizes put the script away because there's something organic between us that will continue to blossom regardless of what I drop on her right now. Um, that's how I interpreted it. And that's why I really liked it because there's this trust of like, all right, if we're supposed to be together, we'll be together. And I trust that. So that's kind of how I saw it. And like, it is bittersweet. Like I wanted them to still somehow be together, but I also love that it's, it's this reminder that there is something that connects them. And I think he trusts in whatever that, that power is to bring them back together rather than a script on a piece of paper. Um, so to use religious language, if you don't mind for a second, it's like, I'd rather experience spirituality than read theology in a book. <laughs> so I mean, that's a bit of a stretch, but like I'd rather have an experience I like, it. I uh, like that. of something yeah. direct rather than reading, reading it off of a piece of paper. Right. That's why like yeah. formalized prayers it's, have never been my jam. It's like, I'm just reading a script. I'd rather just talk to God. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, that's yeah, why, that's how I kind like, of settled on that ending. No, that's lovely. I hadn't thought about it that way at all, but I really like that interpretation because now that you're saying that, you know, when I interpret when at the very end in his new apartment, Peter puts down the little Lego figure and then he has the cup, the coffee cup from MJ. I kind of saw that as him like squirreling away these treasures, these like um, you know, uh, uh, memories, you know, he's all like, okay, I'll, I'll, I'm going to put these on a shelf and look at them and, and remember the time that we had and, you know, move on from that. I kind of thought Peter was like letting them go, but maybe what, you know, what you saw and maybe what I hope the, 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 the filmmakers intended was that this is his way of not giving up on them and trusting in their friendship because yeah i like what you said where you know you would rather experience it emotionally than read about it you know and going up to mj and just telling her hey guess what we used or hey guess what you had your memories wiped and you made me promise to come tell you sorry that that sounds crazy but you literally made me promise and I'm keeping that promise. You know what I mean? It's one thing to read it. And then it's another thing for him to like woo her. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, and, and to fall in love all over again, because in a way that that's a real gift is to be able to just fall in love all over again. You know, yeah. that I think would be really lovely. I think for me, I would have liked a little more of a hint that that's what he's doing is that he's going to, you know, try to go to MIT anyway, <laughs> you know, with his GED um, and, 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 you know, just meet his friends all over again. Cause that would, that would be lovely. That's, that's kind of something that I needed, but maybe that away from him, like hanging on to these icons of his friends, the little Lego figure in the coffee cup. Uh, I don't know. He could have just like gone over to Ned and handed him the sling ring and been like, guess what? You're a wizard. Bye. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that would have been great. <laughs> um, I, 
I, I won't lie. One thing I was kind of hoping just as like a little chuckle is when Peter first opens the door to his apartment in that closing scene, I was hoping the guy from, I believe he's in Spider-Man 2, would have just come up and said, rent. <laughs> <laughs> Remember that guy, his landlord? Because it looks, that apartment looks very similar. It's just like this tiny little room of an apartment. And I was like, oh, are they going to uh, put the was, rent guy in here? There was a voiceover. We didn't see but I do remember a voiceover being all like, it was rents due on the first. Yeah, don't be late. Right. It was a very New York accent or something. It, it wasn't. It wasn't yeah. that, that goofy uh, Eastern European man. So, uh, um, uh. <laughs> but no, like I, you know, I, I, I totally under, like I totally get your take on it too. That this, like, I think it would be sad to think that that's that's what those that's what Ned and MJ are going to become to him is just icons of of a bygone era. Like, mm-hmm. it just. Like if that's the case, that sucks. Um, that's yeah. what, but that's I mean, not what I choose to believe. So, <laughs> yeah, no, I I want to believe in your vision. I I strongly want to believe that. Maybe I was kind of getting too wrapped up in the idea of like, oh, this is what happens when you graduate high school and your friends go off to different colleges. You know what I mean? Hmm. You do kind of preserve, you know, that that time that you spent together, but what we'll never really have again. You know, but. Maybe that just means that Peter's open to new change and, and that's okay. And that's fine. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. I just, I hope that Peter has internalized or will internalize the idea that, that he is worth helping mm. because it would just be really sad to me if not like, I'm going to help everybody else and, you know, and never ask, you know, and, and never have a guy in a chair, never have an MJ because like he he saw that bandaid on MJ's forehead and then he kind of decided that he wasn't going to talk to her i kind of thought that that was him being like oh no if she knows me and knows that i'm spider-man then she'll just end up getting hurt and i don't want that so i'm going to protect her by keeping my distance from her and i'm like no peter it, internalize that she loves you and that you are worth helping. Mm-hmm. You know, Peter, all spider people risk their health and safety when they go out to help people, you know, and that's their choice to make. And if somebody loves you and wants to risk being hurt to help you and protect you, that's okay too. And you should let them make that choice. Yeah. I just want everybody to know that you are worth helping. You are worth more than what you can give to other people. You are worthy of that same attention and care. That's all. <laughs> no, that's and that's so true. And and it's so I I, I just this makes me again want to just really really remind you. I I really think you'd enjoy Amazing Spider-Man too. Again, it's not a perfect movie, but I think some of these themes are in there because that's a huge theme. The end of Amazing Spider-Man one. Peter makes a promise to Gwen's father. I'll stay away from your daughter because this life will endanger mm. her. And then the second movie picks up and he hasn't done that. And he keeps, he keeps, cause her father dies. He, but she, he keeps seeing him everywhere, like glaring at him. Like, like just like, obviously they're not really him, but like the guilt and of his ghost is following right. him. And finally he opens up to Gwen about that. And she's like, listen, he doesn't have that right to make that choice for me. I love you. And I choose you. And, and it, he finally, Aww. like, he's able to shed that guilt and just be, and, and allow himself to be with her. Um, yeah. So it's, it's really beautiful. <sighs> that, that, that does kind of happen in that movie. 
Exactly. Exactly. I want Peter to hang on, hang on so tight that it hurts. You know what I mean? Like Gwen was like, I love you and I choose you. You know what I mean? And they held on to each other so tight and then it hurt so bad when she died. Mm. Right? Mm -hmm. Because that's the price we pay for hanging on because that meant that they had something. They had something worth losing. Mm. You know, in order to lose, we have to have something. And so I want to lose. And, you know, Peter, Peter, Tom Holland, Peter should want that too. He should take MJ and hang on so tight that it hurts because he's in a place right now where, you know, if something happened, you know, it wouldn't hurt. You know what I mean? Yeah. (laughs) He's, he's kind of closed himself off. Maybe. I don't know. It depends on, on where he actually is. Cause, cause you've maybe convinced me that he hasn't given up, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I I mean, I, I I sure as heck (sighs) hope he hasn't just hold on to each other. Yeah. (laughs) Cling to each other. So tight. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (sighs) Um, uh, Do you, do you think we're going to get more Tom Holland, Spider-Man stories? Absolutely. I mean, I think they've already said as much. I think Kevin Feige said, yes, we're doing more. I mean, what I have to remember, what I kept telling myself after I saw this movie was that Iron Man 3 was not the end of Iron Man. Right. right? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to see more Tom Holland Spider-Man. We'll either see him in, uh, you know, other people's movies in a future mashup movie, you know, an Endgame style mashup movie. Or, um, you know, we'll just straight up see him in Spider-Man 4. Uh, some of my friends have speculated that there's just going to be a whole college trilogy for Peter <laughs> and I, I'll watch it. I'm here sure. for it. Yeah. I, I, I'd <laughs> yeah. watch the heck out of that. Yep. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, what's interesting, Katie is black Panther two. Um, they were filming out here at MIT, um, over oh. the summer. And, uh, <gasps> because one of the characters, I, I, I don't know if it not. I can't remember the name of the character from the Black Panther world, but there's a character that goes to MIT. So who knows if that may not like have some intersection. That would be. I bet it does. They kept saying MIT. They kept saying MIT a lot and wearing MIT sweatshirts. Yeah. Ooh, that's exciting. I didn't know that. That's really cool. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so I'll bet you. Uh, I'll bet you. <laughs> and yeah, I mean this. I think like as, as I walked out of that theater and I can't wait to go again. I mean, it, and it's doing so well. I mean, every, I, I looked at going again on Wednesday, but almost everything was sold out already. Um, I think at this point, I'm just going to wait and go again after the holidays have wrapped. Um, and also yeah, hopes fair. of like the theaters being a little less packed. Um, yep. yeah. but, uh, as, as I left the movie that night, I, I did just feel, I felt really joyful. Um, and and I know part of it, I know part of that joy, like I said, as we started, you know, recording was just that, that first ever experience of a big Marvel movie with a packed crowd. Like that is something I've never experienced. I, I only have memories like that watching the special editions in theaters, um, back Mm -hmm. in 97, even, Mm -hmm. even the prequels, the sequels, none of them had reactions like this. Like this was so new to me and I loved it. Um, and so like as I left, 
And like, I felt like I experienced this with this community of people and like the people in my room, I went by myself. Um, and there was, um, a, a woman next to me also there by herself. And I, like, I didn't talk to her once, but I just felt like we, we experienced this together. And there was three guys to my right. And like, like they stayed right through the end too. And like, we all looked at each other and just nodded as we were leaving. It was just like, it was just like this shared experience and yep. Yep. And 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 that sense of shared experience, I felt like is also what I watched on the screen, specifically mm-hmm. among Toby, Andrew, and Tom. Is like yeah. there's something about it's something about Spider-Man that's hard, but they all have experienced this. They have this shared experience, and they all have their own wisdom to provide for one another. That this is always worth it. That you yeah. are always worth it in this role. And you're it's like you were saying, Katie, what you're also worth having a full, balanced life. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so like, as I left, it was just like, yeah, like I, as much as like going into that movie, even have it like, again, with that opening theme of like, we want to change the past. It's like, oh yes, I feel that right now. I wish I could undo this, <laughs> this choice I made six months ago. Um, it, it's, it's hurt me so much. I want to undo it. But then as I left it, it was like, you can't change those choices you made. But I was reminded that I'm not alone anymore. Like I'm, I'm not alone. Right. I'm not alone in my sadness. I'm not alone in the sense that, like, oh, my world is over. No, it's not. Like, maybe it's also just beginning again, and that's okay too. And that's also actually yeah. quite exciting. And that's why, I like, to yeah. kind of latch back onto like the way I saw that closing. It's and to use your language, now Tom has to, Tom Peter has the opportunity to fall in love again. So yeah. while he complained to Doctor Strange earlier, like, oh, I don't think I could ever experience having Aunt May learn this again. Well, how wonderful that you might have the experience of falling in love with MJ again, though. You know, like that's just yeah. wonderful. Yeah. So, uh, or or is I hope we yeah I hope we see him wooing her. That would just be lovely. Yeah. <laughs> Woo well, her. Yeah. Well, like like Wanda says to Vision in that last episode of WandaVision, you know, you know, it, it, we said goodbye to each other again. It stands to reason we'll say hello again. You know, like oh, uh, exactly. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Oh, I love that. I Yeah, I love that so much. I am a sucker for love triumphant. That's all I ever want. I want love <laughs> triumphant because, you know, love, love heals, love redeems. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what, yeah, I feel like I didn't necessarily walk out of that movie, like, joyful, like you said, because I was kind of down on the ending. I had a more pessimistic view on it. But the healing of... The Spider-Man villains, the healing of Toby and Andrew made me so hopeful because every, every story can have a different ending, you know? Oh, again, I'm going to do that thing. It reminds me, it reminds me of Town, where it's all like, it's a sad song, but we sing it anyway, mm-hmm. you know, because it might turn out differently this time. Yeah. Like, uh, it's never, it's never too late we can always change the ending and that's so lovely. Carl, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Carl. <laughs> oh, Katie, what I, a wonderful movie. <laughs> yes, it is. And I can't wait to go see it again. <sighs> yep. Yep. Uh, yep. I'm probably going to see it over the holidays with friends and stuff. It, yeah. Looking forward to it. Likewise. <laughs> I, and Katie, this was great. I loved this, this conversation. Just like I always Me love too. our conversations. <laughs> but <laughs> Oh, I love um, yes, I love talking to you too. Thank you for helping me see that ending in a different light because I love that. I love your interpretation. That's lovely. 
So yeah, yeah, this was great. Well, thanks for giving me an opportunity to, to express it. Cause I actually don't think I'd thought about it quite as much as until you gave me the opportunity. So thanks. Oh <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, um, so, well, you know, Hey everyone, that's gonna, that's gonna do it for us in this first episode of marvelous musings. And we'll be back soon with another episode looking at the something in the MCU. Uh, hopefully you'll continue to check us out and, uh, Katie, I'm just so excited to be doing this with you. I'm I'm so glad you you said yes. And, uh, you know, I since the day you've you know decided to 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 to, to move on from Wampusler, which had I have every every respect for. I have just missed being able to have these this space with you. So I'm just so glad we found a way to to figure it out again in a new way. You know, like Spider Man would want us to. <laughs> And would want us to. It's the next <laughs> chapter. It's the next chapter. And I'm here for it. Yeah, me too. And hopefully you all yep. will be here for yep. it. Um, it's it's just such a privilege, um, you know, being your friend, Katie, and having these conversations. So I'm just so grateful that we're going to have an opportunity to, to share share these insights with others um, in, in hopes that they, they enjoy them just as much as we enjoy having them. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Thank you, Carl. Yeah. You're always so sweet. I'm just, I'm blushing over here. I treasure your friendship too. Ah. <laughs> oh. Well, so everybody, thank you so much for checking out this first episode of Marvelous Musings. Like I said, Katie and I will be back very soon. And until then, until then, not them, until then, continue to marvel with your musings. <laughs>